0: Typists and Scribblers, shake out your carpal tunnel, give your nib a hearty dipping, and lovingly lick
1: your stickiest stamp. Because it's time to talk tall with me. Mmm. I'm beside myself
0: i beside myself. Welcome back and to a new segment I am Omen Sade. I am Nick McGill. Together we are Feckless Moms.
1: And this is Talk Tull with me.
0: A saucy love note passed in class, intercepted by the teacher, and read out for the whole class to hear. It may get us detention, but as the kids most definitely say, Yeet a sick YOLO, yo! We may only live once, but you, fair Tulskulls, have written into us many, many times. So today, Nick and I are diving into the mass of missives with the same stoic resolve as Ian Anderson diving into a bathing pool brimmingly with ballerinas. We may drown, but at least we'll go down doing what we love.
1: That's right. That is right. Yes, we are beside ourselves with joy and honor at how much you have written into us. And at this point, it has become an inundation that we didn't want to front-load every single episode with like a half an hour of talking about you guys writing in. And a lot of it is valuable information. It's not just, hey, we love the feckless moms. We love Talk Told to Me. It's not that. So
0: Yeah, it's not just that, not that nonsense. Not again.
1: just that nonsense. So we wanted to, to keep the correspondence going. Again, I've, I've said before, this is a forum. This is where we collect our information. So I want to share that information. I want to be able to share it. So so we are doing that with a Talk Tull With Me episode.
0: A correspondence catch-up.
1: So before we get started, we need a delivery of material, if you don't mind, Mary, Marley. Oh, oh boy. Mary and Marley. <laughs>
0: But it seems to be coming on a forklift. Are you, oh. uh, do you want it through the door or the window? Uh,
1: whatever's, whatever's. Too, be- too late. I'm just oh. going to
0: come through the wall. Through the wall.
1: Yeah. No. I. Well, we we were planning on remodeling, so I guess now is a good as yeah. time as any. Um, I've
0: to... got to return this to the Home Depot before they realize.
1: Oh, you didn't, you didn't rent it. You just... It's not. They don't have those for rent. That's... Yeah, that's, you just took that. I see the branding right on the side. Yeah. Yeah. They don't go very fast, so you better get started there.
0: Don't yeah. worry. I've been distracting them with me feminine wiles. Oh,
1: I've never seen hips move like that, Mary. <laughs> they, they, they are... They shouldn't. Alluring. They shouldn't. <laughs> yeah. Medically inadvised.
0: <laughs> medically alluring.
1: So we're going to start with a slew of emails... <clears throat> Your emails, sir. So we've got our first email, a new writer in her with some fantastic literature references to rival yours, Omen. Oh, indeed, yes. <laughs> Why don't you uh, give give that a read? Let us
0: retire to the salon in the library <laughs> and read this email from Negin A., who writes subject line appreciation. Message, Hi guys, greetings from Iran. Just wanted to say it's so exciting when you point out literature references in the lyrics. I found some myself. Bungle in the Jungle reminds me of Robert Frost's design and William Blake's The Tiger. Also, many Alexander Pope references. The Duncanade Book 2, I mean, the whole thing, but Book 2 with its scatological games between booksellers... Blandishers, and Poetaser, also in An Essay on Children with its attacks on holier-than-thou critics, Poems on Pantheism, William Blake's Marriage of Heaven and Hell, All Religions Are One, There Is No Natural Religion, The Chimney Sweeper, Anti-Religious, The Garden of Love, The Little Vagabond, and London, since Ian is a pantheist. A Request, he continues to write. Please consider going through Nightcap, the unreleased masters 1973 to 1991. Well, thank you very much, Negin. I am most definitely mispronouncing your name. Also, I assumed that you were a male writer and I apologize. I did not state your pronoun preferences, and so I will refer to you as they for the remainder of this discussion. But thank you very much for all those amazing literature references. I know now what my homework is, Nick.
1: Yeah, I'll, I will put that reading list in the show notes if anyone is, is interested in actually pursuing those. As far as Nightcap goes, most of them get lumped in with the occasional bonus tracks on the albums that we're covering. And some of them are kind of proto- passion play sound or proto war child stuff so we're not actually covering specific stuff off of that album but
0: maybe we'll double check and make sure that there's nothing that's on there that doesn't get any love anywhere else to make sure we don't
1: leave anything in the in the ditch yes i will i will do my homework to see what we could what could potentially be falling through the cracks.
0: You've given us a ton of
1: homework to do. So much homework! I was not prepared for this. <laughs> I've always meant to read William Blake, but
0: I've never been in the state to, to start doing that.
1: <laughs> well, again, thank you, Negan or Negan. Maybe I'm not sure.
0: And it's it's wonderful to hear someone writing from the the homeland of my ancestors. Yeah,
1: that's right. We've got we've got people from all over the place. It's lovely. In- Indeed.
0: Nick, what else have we got here?
1: Next, we have the great, great old doctor chiming in here. See the so love and praise in the start of this email has been redacted. Be assured there was a healthy dose of it. <laughs> mm. So we've got two quibbles about Summer Day Sands. Mmm, Quibbles and Bits, delicious. Quibbles and Bits. I Once met
0: again With a life in her hands And we liked together
1: the Summer Day Sands God, what a gorgeous song. Okay, mm-hmm. Summer Day Sands is surely a song about Jenny, isn't it? Mmm. You rejected the theory, but given the minstrel context, it's about a woman with whom the singer once had a great time before she rushed home, quote, before curfew, end quote. How boring to be with someone else entirely. The first time they lay together, the second time it was lying. He was lying to himself. She was lying to him. I think it is among Ian's most bitter songs, despite its musical prettiness. Well. I like it. I think that's that's totally an option.
0: I I think so. And you know, I also want to bring up the possibility that the song could be about more than one thing. It could be I often am uh, am advocating on this podcast that we abandon logic because I think that it is it is frequently a a system that doesn't give us the the structure we need to analyze some of these songs because the yeah. way that memory and art works is not necessarily linear. Right. So it's entirely possible that the song is about Jenny or or at least emotionally about Jenny. Yeah. But he has set it in a, a more
1: historical context,
0: as he does with so many of his, of his other songs right. throughout the, the discography.
1: Yeah, that's what I was going to say, is that it, it could very well be about Jenny, but couched in that feeling of the nostalgia that is Blackpool or something. I
0: think so. I think yeah. that. It is worth putting this song in a subcategory, which is Jenny adjacent.
1: Jenny, touched by Jenny. <laughs> Warmed by her presence and then embittered by her having steeped too long. A drop of Jenny. So uh, I had one of those in high school and I don't remember the following week. It was a great night. Oh, it was it was, it was fantastic. I'm told oh, it's I, fantastic. I'm not proud of the tattoo that I have, but I mean
0: I still have the I'm I'm waiting to reveal the pictures until I really need to blackmail you.
1: <laughs> See, I I you keep saying that, but I I've never seen these pictures, so you may That's, just be lying to me. <laughs> I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm biding my time. <laughs> the doctor goes on, and Grace. Hello,
0: Hello bird. Hello
1: my lady. Hello bird. Two points here. Firstly, you didn't address the imagery, the sun previously black-eyed, and the bird previously blown away, both of which are from Requiem. Well, I saw- Again, that's a reference to Requiem. That song came about halfway through Minstrel. Grace is the final track. Mm -hmm. So the sun and the bird are suddenly almost magically benign and well again. Mm. And he's back with a lady having spent most of the preceding album lamenting the fact that he's split up. Making this, I'm fairly sure, a Shona song. They are at the start of a new thing here, hence breakfast, which he hopes will go on until all the tomorrows, as so far it seems to have done. Goodness me. Yeah. I like that interpretation a lot.
0: I am embarrassed that we didn't pick up on the sun and bird motif. I
1: know. I know. It is dreadfully that Nick, That's and... part
0: of the difficulty with, with taking these song by song is that sometimes when we get, mm-hmm. you know, we record these weeks apart, and so when we're on one song, we haven't discussed, you know, the the, the song a couple songs ago in in all, maybe a month. Yeah, right.
1: Yeah, we d- we do have a tendency to lose scope, and uh, and we appreciate everyone being able to hear them basically as they're intended, you know, as a bird's eye view. That's right, as a black as a sun's black, eye view, black as a bird's black eyed view. indeed. And still, in regards to Grace, secondly, I know of no other band which so frequently ends their records with one of these little musical envoys. Round from This Was...
0: Reminds me of the music from the the Snoopy Christmas movie.
1: Yes, it's very Snoopy or Pink Panther. Yes, Grace from Minstrel, which we just heard. Fire at midnight mm. from Songs.
0: I believe in fires of midnight when the dogs have all been
1: Cheerio from Broadsword. Indeed, yeah.
0: Say cheerio.
1: I know it's much more about Dee Palmer and breaking up the band, but you could add Elegy from Stormwatch. We'll dig into that barrel of fish later. Mm. Well, it piques my interest anyway, as if just occasionally Ian has one more thing he wants to lay on us. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's I think that's right. I think it's a very clean, sweet, nice button to end on for most of these. Yeah. But also, yeah, it's it's that final like, oh, yeah, by the way,
0: I it's think. a little moment of breath and reflection. Yeah. That we don't often see in the in the rock and roll contingent.
1: That is, yeah, it's, it's a nice little additional nugget for us. It really is. <sighs> so that is it from Doc Savage. Thank you, Doctor. Greatly appreciated. We're going to move on to another one of our old-time listeners. He's been around for uh, quite a while now. This is Paul.
0: Some tall takes for you, too. Message, good day to you both, Nick and Omen. Les mums sans fèques. Thank you. I hope you were both well. Smiley face emoticon. Really enjoying the podcasts as ever I do. Something else to consider about how too old to rock and roll differs from earlier albums. I think it's the point where Tull starts to become a little more self-aware of their own history and their place in the larger continuum of rock music in general. The release of their first legitimate greatest hits LP, MU, at the start of 1976 must have been a watershed moment, one that gave Ian Anderson some sense of self curation, taking stock of achievements made thus far. And it then comes as no surprise that he starts to inject a sense of nostalgia not only into the overarching lyrical slash conceptual themes of the two old LP slash musical, but the music itself. <sighs> there was, in that entire paragraph, two periods. <sighs> so, we start getting witty musical quotations. In Quiz Kid, we get, around 52 seconds in, D. Palmer scoring exactly the same kind of pizzicato strings that were on every hip-hop record of the late 50s slash early 60s in the UK, even Dunfermline. And a cheeky Fender Telecaster-style cha-cha-cha-cha figure from Martin before the big, main, crunchy guitar riff comes in. Mmm, yeah. Yeah, I hear it. Yep. I'll give you an example of the kind of thing it's evoking. Adam Faith singing What Do You Want from 1962. You can hear not only the pizzicato... <laughs> Papa, do you if you don't want money? What do you want if you don't want go? But check out the Roomba feel in the middle eight of Adam's song that also gets picked up in the lineup for the big handout section of Quiz Kid.
1: Well, I'm offering you this part of mine, but all you do is play it cool. What do you want? Oh, boy, you're making a fool of me. Oh,
0: and- By the way, Adam Faith was a huge pop star in Britain in the early 60s. I'd place money on this song being a direct influence on grumpy young Master Ian. Wow, that's really quite fascinating. Yeah, it really is. Paul goes on to say, oh, and you know what, Nick? At this point, I'm going to jump to the P.S. of this letter, which I should have read at the beginning. (laughs) P.S. My English accent is more like a British villain in a Star Wars movie and less like Omen's amazing Cockney voice he uses for John, your other English correspondent, if you're curious, winking emoticon.
1: Oh, no. Oh, here we go.
0: Star Wars. Star Wars British villain. Let's see. What's the... It's an older code, sir, but it checks out. Like that, right? (sighs) Yes. (laughs) Yes. The reason I'm mentioning this and providing show-and-tell, show-and-tull examples, is that I don't think Tull up to this point ever did pastiches or these kind of sly musical quotes on their songs. It's a new weapon in their considerable sonic arsenal. It has the certain kind of cheeky archness that suits the musical theatre conceit. It's something we're going to hear quite often across the whole LP. I can think of subtle musical quotations in From a Deadbeat, Bad-eyed and loveless, too old itself, and check a flag just off the top of my head, the whole thing is rife with in-jokes and rebels. Hopefully I'm not treading on your toes and anticipating something that you are going to say in later talk-tull episodes. I remain yours faithfully, and loving your work, splendid fellas. Paul.
1: We've lost the podcast. Take it back! (laughs) Take it back! Thank you, Paul, so very much. Super, super nice to know context, super nice to know potential inspirations for Ian at that time. Super valuable. We, we greatly appreciate that.
0: And great to know which your preferred accent representation <laughs> your is. Your preferred
1: British accent, yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, I, I mean, I think it's, I you know... This is one of the ways in which we are a little weak as people, besides our muscular weakness, obviously. <laughs> our,
1: our limp musculature.
0: Right. Which is that, you know, being millennials, we don't have the kind of encyclopedic and lived experience knowledge of a lot of the musical forms that, that Tull grew out of. So we, again, we really appreciate whenever y'all write into us. Yes. All right. Next up is J.K. writing all the way from... The former penal colony of Australia.
1: That's, uh, that is their slogan.
0: Yeah, that's true. Hi, Nick and Omen. Thanks for the mentions in both Quiz Kid and Crazed Institution. I really enjoyed the episodes. Worthy of five stars, five dingoes, five koalas, or whatever else takes your fancy. The Aussie accent... Perhaps rates only 4.75 koalas, but it sure did make me laugh. Let's just round it up to five anyway. Yes. As we do have our limits. Certain accents that are just too silly for us to get our mouths around. That's right. In catching up on old episodes, the 88 episodes left to hear pre-Christmas is now at 47. I have slowed down, as there are a few (laughs) other things I should probably do with my life. I think that's quite debatable.
1: i was gonna say agreed but yes
0: (laughs) i figure that two to three episodes a week will have me catching up in a year or so which is fine
1: yeah oh yeah absolutely you are lucky because you get two episodes of talk tall to me a week as opposed to most of the schlubs who only get one
0: yeah waiting (laughs) waiting on the corner like a like an addict for the the next tall episode to come out i I just i just want one more man you're holding out on me give me a bonus episode your discussion about Matty Pryor reminded me of the Steel Eye Span album, Now We Are Six, also produced by Ian Anderson, released in 1974. Track 10 on the album, To Know Him Is To Love Him, features a quirky alto sax ending by David Bowie. You may already know about this story, but if not, Ian Anderson waxes lyrical about the event here. In
1: 1974, I was asked by British folk group Steel Ice Band to try to get David Bowie to play alto sax on a track I was producing for them. Somehow, although we didn't know each other, I managed to get his phone number and he agreed to come to the session. In prompt and professional fashion, he executed the desired solo lines and went on his way with the recorded words, I'll see you later. Many years later, in 1997, I managed to push my way past Minder Heavies into his dressing room at a big German TV show we were both appearing on. I thanked him for playing on the Steel Eye song and, more importantly, for serving as a role model to me in regard to offering the gift of music with no fee or royalty for performing on other artists' records, something I have always done since. He looked at me thoughtfully and said, I'd forgotten about that. I suppose it's too late to send an invoice. <laughs> this, while smiling a dazzling smile with his new and perfect teeth. Oh, David! What a lovely Luffy. story about a lovely man.
0: Bisexual icon. I am. I'm so curious what Ian Anderson has featured on. I have not seen him yet, Nick. I know, as part of my personal research, I'm working my way through the entire Snoop Dogg uh, discography, mm-hmm, and I have mm-hmm. not seen him featured there yet not in there no that's that is peculiar so strange yeah yeah (laughs) jk continues anyway many thanks again for your passion for tall and the great podcasts you guys have produced not sure what he's talking about there cheers jk
1: (laughs) (laughs) thank you Jai kai Jai kai greatly appreciated as well loving the love one more email i believe in the queue here Another writer in her who I just learned the other day, based on the, the link in his email, jupson.com J-O-O-P-S-O-N.com, is a really amazing digital visual artist. Oh, Digvij. Yeah. 3D, 3D visuals. Like it's remarkable. It's really cool. jupson.com go check that that shiz out. It's neat. Nice. From Jupson. Hello again, Moams. This is your resident kook who draws thin connections between Ian Anderson's work and the work of Roy Harper. Mm. The discussion of Quiz Kid this week got me thinking about a Roy Harper song that's dizzyingly dismal, but also potentially relevant. A long 18 minutes 1969 tune called Magoon's Blues off of his album Folk Jokopus, folk, Folk Joke Opus, all one word. Folk Jokebus. Folk Jokebus. The relevant lyrics being: The village TV hooks its victims on giveaway cash. The addicts are numbers who serve to perpetuate trash. Mm. Woof.
0: The village TV hooks its victims on giveaway cash. The addicts are numbers who serve to perpetuate trash.
1: I don't know if this was a common criticism of a rampant social problem of the time or something only railed against by our favorite grump, Ian, and his grumpy senpai, Roy, <laughs> but I thought it could be worthy to bring up. All the best, Andrew.
0: Well, first of all, I want to say thank you for writing in. Also, looking at the website, jupson.com. it is extraordinary. Right. Um, if, if any of our tall listeners need any um, 3D digital assets for... Their projects. Check this out. It's the details exquisite. Yeah, really cool. Also, great that we're bringing it back to Roy Harper. That we know that that is a big influence on Ian, mm-hmm. and so it's it's great to to keep being reminded of that. I do think that there is a, you know, I think that 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 time period was rife with people making critiques of things on television, or you know, the the influence that television was having over the culture in general, and rightly so.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was still. It was still new, for lack of a better term. You know, it's it's it was still, I mean, and evolving. It was it, it was it was evolving. It was it was really drastically changing. It was nothing like what we had present day. Right, and if to to some it was probably a little scary. Who knows? And you it's know? still
0: evolving today, and we would be right to critique it continuously.
1: Absolutely warranted. Nick, what do we have next? Next, let's dive into a couple of Instagram connections.
0: They are stylists. They're very overtly concerned with the uh, image.
1: Love that new sting. From one of our original writer-inners, as referenced by Paul, this is our original Anglo correspondent, John. Hello, John. Hello, John. What do we got from John Omen on our
0: Instagram post regarding a Quiz Kid? Which, if you don't mm-hmm. follow us on Instagram, you
1: you don't need to. But you could, you could. It's it's an option.
0: It's an option. John writes. Give actually sent a link regarding the origin of the British pub quiz, which is something that that we had mentioned in our discussion of Quiz Kid. So mm-hmm. I will I will read a, just a, just the kind of introduction from this article on Wikipedia. On Burns & Porter, Burns & Porter was a business in the United Kingdom that prepared and distributed pub quizzes. In 1976, Sharon Burns and Tom Porter founded and organized 32 pub quiz teams in three leagues in southern England. They traveled the country for the next few years, marketing their quizzes to breweries as a strategy to bring customers to their pubs on slow evening. Burns and Porter cornered the market on pub quizzes with over 10,000 teams playing in one of their quizzes every week in the season. While the BBC and independent television companies taped them for contestants and questions for television quiz shows. So it actually was around the same time that this album, you know, just before this album came out. Right. That this was starting, which is kind of fascinating. It almost makes me think, Nick, that perhaps Burns and Porter were inspired by Ian Anderson to start this business.
1: De- definite safe bet. absolutely.
0: and therefore they owe him royalties.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And uh and he he clearly needs them. He's been struggling lately. Has he? No, not no. at all. He's the he's <laughs> Jethro Tall. <laughs> okay, what else do we have, Nick? All right, our final is a great big chunk from Joe, who is still playing catch-up. He's pretty darn close. He is in Benefit still, and he's got a lot to say, a lot of valuable info here to say. We start with To Cry You a Song. Oh, long time ago. Like the rest of the album... It's a sentimental favorite and always will be. As my listening branched out, though, I realized how, shall we be generous and just say influenced, by Blind Faith's Had to Cry Today, it is. Seriously, play the two songs back to back, and it's staggering how much Tull lifted from it, even the guitar tag at the end. So here's the opener to To Cry You a Song. Here is the opener to Had to Cry Today.
0: Yeah, it's less less like they rearranged the furniture, and more like they just fluffed up a pillow.
1: They 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 maybe dusted something. And here here are closers too. That was obviously To Cry You A Song. Here mm-hmm. is Had To Cry Today. Interesting. Yeah, had to cry today is like an eight-minute song. If you're interested, go go and listen to the whole thing. It's really fascinating.
0: Nick, I, I just a small anecdote. I typed in, I started to type in to cry you a song on Spotify, and in addition to the Tull song, I got a bunch of playlists with titles oh. such as Oh No, Songs to Cry To, yep. Sad okay. Lo-Fi Beats to Cry To, Lo-Fi mm-hmm. for cry Cryfi. <laughs> Cry-Fi, <laughs> Sad Slowed Songs to Cry To Part One. Sad oh, music okay. to cry in a fetal pose.
1: <laughs> wow. They they get really specific. <laughs> crying in yeah, the bathtub.
0: What kind of crying do I want today? Crying okay, while eating we'll a this.
1: bowl of spaghetti. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Carb cry. All right. So yes okay. well that you, is fascinating. I wonder how yeah. much of that was um intentional and how much of that was mm, let's give the benefit of the doubt accidental.
1: Right, how much how much was it actually influenced?
0: But I mean, you know, as they say good artists borrow, great artists steal.
1: Yeah. Had to cry today was in 1969, so it was right when Tull was starting. Also, mm. it's a rock supergroup including Clapton, so why wouldn't you take from the best? Yeah, absolutely. So there's that. To continue, To Cry You a Song is also one of several fluteless songs on Benefit. Mm-hmm. I remember you guys noting one song without flute, nothing to say, I believe, but there are a whopping four of them mm-hmm. Nothing to Say, Son for Michael Collins, and To Cry You a Song. Could Benefit be their most fluteless album? I'm not 100% sure, but my guess is yes. And I, I, I think you're probably right on that. Moving on to a time for everything, the feedback-like distortion that Martin used in the second verse is definitely feedback. There is not a doubt in my mind. I'm too familiar with that sound. I'm inclined to think it was a happy accident, but it is possible that they captured it somewhere else and spliced it in. Either way, brilliant moment that helps give the song its character. Play in Time I'm so glad you discussed Martin's awesomely trippy guitar solo. It's one of my favorites. I'm not privy to every effect used on it, but I do know that the bulk of its character came from speeding it up. This being the 60s, 70s, they'd have slowed the tape down, had him play over it, then sped it back up again. Not only does it give its strange timbre, but it's why some of those runs and slides sound so unnaturally fast.
0: really cool yeah uh, great to know what what technology was affecting them on that song in particular
1: yeah yeah absolutely i'm I'm really uh uh, it's it's good to have those resources of people who do know this which is promise up to now i've always taken the lyrics literally i just took them as a first dab at songs from the wood mythology Hmm. listening to you guys talk got my wheels turning though I started wondering if it wasn't a veiled reference to an affair a la David Bowie's Heroes. Mm.
0: drive them away We can be them
1: just for one day
0: Leaves calling red, yellow, brown, all of the same. And the love you have found there outside
1: Which then got me thinking that this was recorded right at the point when Anderson fired Glenn Cornick for being too much of a party animal. Could this song have secretly been about him? I don't know. I'm just speculating, but it seems to fit. Huh. Yeah.
0: I, I think that, I think without any more serious evidence on that particular track, I would be, I'd be nervous about conjecturing too much, but... I do like the idea of this song being around the topic of of an illicitous affair. Yeah. A
1: solicitous affair? An illicit affair. Solicitous. Uh, uh, Yes, both of them. Yes. And finally, made it to Aqualung and heard you two wondering about Glenn Cornick's departure, as we just mentioned. Mm. As I mentioned in the last comment, Anderson didn't approve of his lifestyle and fired him. In Cornick's own words, quote, Ian kicked me out. We finished the tour in New York and went to Kennedy Airport the next day to fly home. We were just about to check in at the gates when Terry Ellis asked me to come and have a coffee with him. As we sat down, he said, Ian doesn't want you in the band anymore. I've canceled your reservation. You have to fly home tomorrow. They got on the plane without me because they didn't want to have to talk to me. That's short and sweet. I know what the problem was. It certainly wasn't my playing. It couldn't have been because they replaced me with Jeffrey. I mean, Jeffrey's a great bloke. I've always liked him, but he's not a great bass player, and Jeffrey would tell you that himself. The problem was that Ian didn't respect my morals at the time, chasing girls and socializing. Mm. I was definitely a bit of a party animal. I enjoyed myself and enjoyed the rock and roll lifestyle, and Ian didn't approve of my general mode of behavior. But I was never out of it on stage. I always did my job well. It's all a long time ago now. I've seen Ian since and we get on fine, but I will never forgive him for not having the guts to speak to me personally that day. And that is a quote from Minstrels in the Gallery, A History of Jethro Tull.
0: Wait, so that was Cornick.
1: That was Glenn Cornick, yeah. That was his his description of, of how things went down.
0: Well, that is a wonderful little quote there, and... I, I didn't realize that it was... I don't think we covered that when we talked about that album. I, that, I didn't realize no. it was so, such a, a harsh de-
1: departure. Yeah. It clearly was, yeah. I mean, we,
0: we, we know from a lot of the things that Ian has said that he liked to be in bed with a cup of warm milk 30 minutes yeah. after the curtain went down.
1: Right, exactly. And I can Him imagine in the
0: early touring days if, if there was one member of the band who was kind of, you know, going trying to, trying to beat Led Zeppelin all the time at mm-hmm. the bars and that could create tension.
1: Yeah, yeah, I suppose so. Not necessarily that you're trying to portray the whole band as like oh, we are the teetotalers per se, but but there is still there is still area for for budding heads and and uh, affecting certain habits and things.
0: Well, whenever you have a group of people uh, working together in that tight quarters and for that many hours a week, mm-hmm. If you don't have kind of a cultural cohesion, it can
1: produce tension. Absolutely. But yeah.
0: also, damn, that's cold. <sighs> yeah.
1: Terry, you're our manager. Go take care of this. Yeah. And and they pushed his plane to the I next know. day. So he had to stay at JFK oh,
0: overnight. Yep. Yep. Oh.
1: Here, yeah. Rough. Rough. Rough indeed.
0: Well, Thank you very much.
1: Thank you so much, Joe. You've been very valuable in your information, and we greatly appreciate it. As we do everybody who is writing in, that is it for this session of Talk Tall With Me. We highly encourage everyone to keep sending in the info. Omen and I will continue to omit facts and make mistakes, so we will probably have uh, at least one more, if not several, of these episodes. So just keep an eyeball in your queue. It'll show up in the regular feed.
0: Indeed. Until our regular episode, I am Owen Said. I am Nick McGill. Together we are the flawed and funky feckless
1: momes. And this is Talk Toll with me. I'm beside myself.
0: I'm beside myself